RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. To Capellius and back with a few stops at Free Cloud and a Borg Cube along the way. It's Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. That must mean it's Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm John Champion. Well, we did it. We watched all 10 episodes of Star Trek Picard, the return of Jean-Luc, the return of Data, and Seven, and Riker, and Troy. And we met a bunch of new friends, too. How did all that play out? Did we get what we wanted? Are we excited about more Picard coming sometime down the road tonight? We attempt to wrap up our thoughts along with you. Give us a call to chime in. You can click on the Zoom meeting link. You can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can even dial us up the old-fashioned way and enter the meeting code that you see on screen. Yes, John, you're right. Our show and your hosts, that would be us, are all here for you. You get to tell us what you thought about Picard, what you think are the morals, meanings, and messages. What would you keep the same? What would you have changed? Everything is on the table tonight. We want to hear from you. Just like John said... You can join us easily through the Zoom meeting link or the phone numbers provided. Earl will greet you, and then he will connect you to us. Isn't that nice? He will. Now, I I notice that in the feed right now, there's uh, actually sort of the Zoom uh, uh, sort of preview page, not not the feed. Earl's aware of it. He's working on it. Things Mm -hmm. happen. It's a live show. Technical things happen. But what I can see right now, I can see the people who are watching us and chatting with us live right now. So there's Dave. I know the other Dave is in there too. So hi, Mm -hmm. Dave and other Dave. Uh, There's Brian. There's uh, Danny. There's uh, Danny says, what is the purpose of joining Zoom meeting? Well, we we just told you, you click on the link. And if you want to chat with us, you can chat with us. There we are talking live to each other. Uh, Brian says, oh, wait, hang on. I'm going to skip that part for right now. There's Karen. uh, There's Brian again. There's Eric. Uh, Eric says, hi, John, Norman, and Earl. Thank you, Eric. Hello. Uh, There's Andrew. And uh, my gosh, there's Chuck. There's uh, Rick. There's Erica. Not to be confused with Eric. Eric uh, says, here we go. Yes, indeed, here we go. Uh, there's Alan Perry, who I was just uh, talking to earlier today via email. There's Scott Palm, friend of the show, Scott Palm. John Cooley saying, what? What's all this? Yes, you're right. We're working on it. Don't you go anywhere. You can probably <laughs> hear me, even if you can't see me at the moment. Uh, there's Danny. There's Pam saying, hi, John and Norman. Uh, there's Eric <laughs> saying, live is fun. Yes, it is. David saying, is that because you guys are having a bad hair day? Well, you know, that's that, you've got that solved, Norman. You got the hat on because under that, you just look like a, just like a damn dirty hippie. Right? Well, it's like a manchichi. You know, you ever remember those <laughs> those Play-Doh toys where you would stuff Play-Doh in a Play-Doh and so you'd crank it and the hair would okay, just come out all in one length? Just shoots out uh, through its head. Yes, I remember yeah. that. that. That's you right now? That's, wow. that's me right now. That's me there or the original trolls where you would just shake that doll and their hair would just stand up on end. Yeah. And of course, if you're um, of a certain age or generation, you remember Manchi cheese. They're also soft and cuddly. Yes, we all remember those. Very good. Uh, so funny, Dave says John is still in his pajamas. We are back, though. The video feed is back. I'm happy to say that. Uh, Rick says, after a week of stay at home, I'm glad to be hanging out with my Star Trek pals. Yes, Rick, that's what this is all about. We are glad to be hanging out with you. So thank you, everybody, who is hanging out with us right now. Um, 
I do want to let you all know some of what's coming up on the live show. So tonight, of course, we want your calls, be able to talk to you about the, uh, the full season of Picard, see how you felt about that, what your thoughts, your notes, uh, uh, how did you feel about morals, meanings, messages? I know that Norman has some notes, I do too. We want to hear from you. Now, next week, we'll be doing a similar thing. We will also be talking about Picard, but we will have a special guest. We will have the bad astronomer himself, Phil Plate. Love talking to that guy, and he loves talking about Star Trek, so it'll be a lot of fun, again, with your calls, with your comments, so make sure you join us with Phil. Then the week after that, uh, Josh Kurz, who is one of the hosts and producers of Shabam, Shabam. will be with... There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Norman. Mm -hmm. He will be uh, here to talk about, well, about coronavirus and about, um, specifically, we're going to talk about how people are dealing with it, uh, particularly from the scientific and medical communities. And we're going to tie that in at the request of one of our viewers to uh, the very Star Trek concept of the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few or the one, and how we're, we're sort of uh, seeing this through that lens of Star Trek. Uh, so that'll be over the next two weeks. And then I, I hate to break it to you, but we're going to have a little bit of a hiatus, uh, uh, the length of which to be determined. Doesn't mean that Norman and I are going away forever and ever. It means that you know, obviously the regular mission log continues to come out. We're still online for you. Maybe able to pop in and do a, uh, a Patreon hangout or a live video here and there. But the live show, uh, we're just going to take at least a little bit of time off kind of reassess, figure some things out, and we'll let you all know when we're coming back. So uh, we don't want to leave everybody hanging, uh, especially right now, but give us, give us just a little bit of time. We will be there for you, I promise. Now, Norman, before we get into our notes and before we hear from our listeners tonight, uh, every week we do a poll question. Last week and this week are no different. Would you please let us know what our results were from last week's poll? And so on last week's poll, we asked all of you, what was the more satisfying data story? The choices were Nemesis or Et in Arcadia Ego Part 2. Nemesis came in at a slightly underwhelming 28%, which obviously meant that all of you really enjoyed Et in Arcadia Ego Part 2 at 72%. Uh, now, you know, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I, I think clearly it, the, the poll on Facebook has to be a binary thing. And, and really, those are the two deaths of data. So we're, we're going with that. I, I think at an Arcadia Ego Part 2, definitely the more dramatic, more satisfying moment. Uh, how about you? Do, you? do you feel that way? I do. And I, I think that it's a, it's a really interesting set of choices because in Arcadia Ego Part 2, it was kind of a continuation of Nemesis, really. It wasn't really its own separate story away from Nemesis, much like most of Picard has been. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it, yeah. it's hard to choose between the two, but having Data's resolution in the finale of Picard is, I think, what a lot of people wanted to see. And yeah. I think that that made it really more, I guess, emotionally satisfying for them to see it. Like, yeah, you know what? It was the more satisfying Data story. Precisely. Good answer. Um, so this week we asked you, as we're looking at the Picard season and its totality and its finality before we get a season two, uh, after season one of Picard, how are you feeling? 
Well, we gave you a choice. You're feeling engaged. <laughs> We're not even, which I, I could have gone with a face palm with that, but I, I really like the gif that I found. Uh, but overwhelming majority of you, 76% of you said you felt engaged. 24% of you, not even. And, you know, look, like all the poll questions, very much open to interpretation. Uh, uh, there, there's no real black or white answer here. Uh, you might have been engaged, and yet there might still have been things about it that didn't uh, uh, resonate with you. Uh, but overall, if you're feeling engaged by it, interested in it, probably interested in seeing more, well, yeah, we, can, uh, we can talk about that too. Interesting so, correlation, though, John, between the two polls is that you have engaged at 76% from mm-hmm. last week's uh, 72% winner. Yeah. yeah. And then you have Nemesis at 28%, and then this week's poll is not even at 24%. So essentially what I'm looking at is that people that enjoyed Nemesis aren't engaged, and people that enjoyed the finale are engaged. Oh, they, see, there you go. Exactly. Math people. Yeah. Math people. (laughs) The power of math. Uh, So we do have some callers standing by. uh, So I encourage all of you who have not rung in yet, please do so. Hit that Zoom meeting link or dial the number or use the one tap from your smartphone so you can get in line with the others and then chat with us. Norman, uh, before we go to our calls, uh, you know, the last 10 weeks have been doing this with Reka. You got to do one episode with Reka when I was gone. Yes. Um, and I, I very much enjoyed listening to that when I came back just because it, it was very cool to hear a different take on it. Um, overall, overall, before we get into specifics, uh, just your, your take, your impression, um, like on a scale of one to 10, where does Picard season one sit with you? I think I would be fair to say that it sits at a pretty solid 7.5 with me. Oh, oh yes. okay. All right. I think, I think that it laid some really fantastic groundwork. A lot of my score comes from the production value and just mm-hmm. the way that has refreshed Star Trek for, or especially the next generation era for this, I guess this generation's uh, Star Trek uh, discovery, notwithstanding. But there are a couple things that I felt were a little undercooked or not incredibly well-baked. Overall, though, I think that it was actually a very solid first season, and we'll get to see what happens with some of the decisions that they made in the second season. And those couple of half-baked things are named Narek and Nerissa. Now, those, nope. those two were fully baked. <laughs> If you know what I mean. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, let's see what our first caller has to say about it. A friend of the show, and uh, unfortunately, we had a bad connection last week, so I'm glad to uh, welcome him back this week, uh, first in line to be able to talk to us about Picard and wrap up. It's Benjamin. Benjamin, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Hi, Norman. How are you guys doing? Hi, Benjamin. Doing all right. You're inside the house this time, not from the workshop. So it's nice to see that you're allowed to come in every now and then. I mostly live out there. I mostly sleep and bathe in here. And I have to tell you, like, it's it's a boon to a a healthy marriage, especially when you're on lockdown, to have Uh, a whole separate building you can go and be in. (laughs) that's good that's good so you 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 guys won't be one of those statistics as they say you know the more uh, time people spend in the same house with each other can't go to work can't go away that this could be detrimental you you're you're safe you're good well the good news is that you know my life day-to-day looks basically the same as it did before coronavirus because i was already working from my home shop so it's not a 
in that regard, it's not that big of an adjustment. Um, but if you if you have the resources to build an outbuilding, I say go for it. If you're going to be a married couple, it's a, it's a real lifesaver. Cool. That's <laughs> a, that's a good idea. That's excellent. I hope so, you guys Benjamin, are doing yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think we're we're both doing well. Thank you uh, for for asking. We we are both doing. Well. I'll speak for Norman in that case. Norman, you're doing well, right? Yeah, and I completely agree. I think that when uh, when you're in a, a long-term relationship or a relationship that's been in a confined space for a, a fair amount of time, it's nice to have uh, your separate corners, if you will, to be able to go to and and do your own thing and enjoy your own space. Uh, that's what my studio here is. It, it's my recording area, and it's occupied by two bunnies, one of which you can see on screen. I'm glad that Buffy is here to have uh, have her shot at superstardom. <laughs> on Mission Log Live, but yeah, it's, uh, and I think it goes for everybody. Just make sure that you're staying, you know, just mentally, uh, just mentally healthy and get your own space and get some sunshine, you know, as we're all kind of locked down and uh, as we're all in this together. By the way, I'm very uh, concerned about her hair, but I, on the other hand, I'm looking forward to my opportunity to do a, a really bang up Luke Skywalker, uh, New Hope uh, cosplay oh. when this is all over. Oh, very good. It's, I can't it's wait getting to see a little that. shaggy. Yeah, <laughs> it could work. I can't <laughs> wait to see that. Uh, yeah, Dave was uh, telling me earlier, uh, not Dave, other Dave, was saying at the end of this process, he'll, he'll have that Rick Dalton coming home from Italy at the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He'll have that look with the hair grown in. Yeah, so, good, good. I think, yeah, I think we're all going to have that late 60s, early 70s look. That's good. Um, by the fine. way, uh, Casey, and I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not stalling here. I just said there were some funny comments coming in. Casey says, is that cage behind Norman where John sleeps at night? Uh, yes, yes, Casey, it is. Thank you for asking. TMI. But there's some very interesting comments here. Going back to the poll about uh, Nemesis versus an Arcadia Ego Part 2 and the death of Data. Uh, Rick uh, said this very well. Picard made Nemesis a better movie. Um, uh, that that's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I, I don't think you should have to go through 10 episodes of a show to make a movie that came out, what, 15 years ago better. But, <laughs> but if Nemesis did indeed leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, as it did mine, um, does this help soothe that a little? Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. Benjamin, you have you have the floor here. Yeah, that that actually is at the end of the list of notes that I made before calling oh. you. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Uh, Uh-oh. Which, which was that Star Trek is supposed to be the show all about exploring ideas. And we as Star Trek fans like to set ourselves apart and say, you know, we really care about stories that are relevant to our time or that are provocative or that challenge the viewer. And so when Star Trek spends what's the limited amount of hours that we have with it in the contemporary era to go and correct mistakes from two decades ago, that feels like a real waste of time to me. Like, yes, it's great. It's very nice to see Brent Spiner again. Yes, it's lovely to see Captain Picard again. But if all of this intrigue that was set up at the beginning, the summation of that is just to give Data a better send-off, that to me is a huge waste of time and a, a huge wasted opportunity. Mm. Um, you know, at the outset of the show, it felt like they were going to be digging deep. 
for something that reflects, oh, I don't know what's going on in American society now. You know, they telegraphed at the outset. Here's Picard angrily saying it was no longer Starfleet. And I was like, oh, they're going to go somewhere really deep and profound and completely, you know, relevant to what's happening today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then there was this business of like, oh, they're going to get into the intelligent life. Why were there only, only seen data as far as androids on Star Trek? Is Picard's problem with Starfleet going to be because they actually did create a slave workforce out of artificial intelligence? It was so pregnant with possibilities. And in the end, they dropped all that in favor of the Romulans have a beef with this weird religious uh, vision that everybody kind of goes along with. And at the end of all of this, you know, no one says, well, wait just a minute. Have you ever considered that maybe you might be wrong? Maybe you're misinterpreting this vision. At the end, we get weird Dr. Octopus space tentacles coming through (laughs) a literal hole in the sky. Yes. And there is no moment of Star Trek goodness where it's revealed that this is a scary looking and yet very rational and intelligent higher being that has something to tell us, something from which we can learn. It's just a scary thing, which we have to like sort of stop in the nick of time. And then we have a big bunch of starships and Riker gets to sound like a badass. And they kill Picard just so they can put him in the robot body that we knew they were going to put him into. And even at that point, I was like, this could still be compelling because I thought, oh, are they, is it going to be like an uncanny valley Picard? Like it's mm. Picard, but he's going to be kind of smoothed off and data looking. And like, is the fact that he's in an Android body, is that going to kind of kick in to drive the Locutus thing that's been latent in his consciousness for all these years? I can hear the fans rushing to the keyboards now to assure me that we might get that in season two. Uh-huh. But on the weakness of the writing that we have seen so far, and it gives me no pleasure to say this about Star Trek and about these characters that I love. I don't have any faith that they're thinking that deeply on this show. And that's a troubling place to be. I feel like I'm in a hard spot with my fandom, like a person who's losing their religion because I have ponied up for CBS all access happily three times in a row now. And at the end of discovery season one, I was like, I wasn't crazy about that. But Mm -hmm. season two, who knows where they'll go. And I was all in. I was very excited about season two. And at the beginning of season two, I was excited. And bit by bit, I could feel my enthusiasm waning as the plots got less and less deep and interesting to me. And then I was like, well, golly, they've got Patrick Stewart and they've got Michael Chabon. I'm psyched for Picard. And I was excited and ready to love Picard. And the same thing happened. It was like at the outset, this seemed interesting and fascinating. Like they could go anywhere with the story. And I felt it got simpler and less fascinating. And like the ideas, the decisions that they made were the opposite of what I was expecting and hoping from Star Trek. And it worries me that I see a lot of fandom really loving the emotional beats that this new writing of Star Trek seems to be very invested in making us all feel very, feel our hearts swell for the characters that we love so much and feel ourselves patted on the back for having our hearts in the right place to the limited degree that they do discuss morals and ethics and these kind of things in these shows. And that's worrisome. 
I, I don't want some facile congratulations for being a good-hearted liberal humanist. I want to be challenged, and I want to have stories which make me reconsider my own positions or at least give me a better understanding and appreciation for what it means to be a humanist in this day and age. And, and with that, I end my sermon and I yield the floor. <laughs> no, uh, that, that, that was fantastic. I mean, honestly, that, I, I think that's one of the most thoughtful criticisms from somebody who did not love the show, uh, be able to express. I, I think there's a lot of negative criticism out there, which is focused in the wrong place. Yeah, I have um, no patience for the Gene's Vision people. Yeah, uh, no, uh, honestly, neither do I. Um, and there are many aspects of this show that did not sit well with me, but I think I landed at a different place where where I, I did overall enjoy the journey. I did overall enjoy where we got, uh, but that does not make me blind to the the sort of holes in this that you're that you're seeing. Um, Norman, I'm I'm curious because I I think your your enjoyment of the show probably goes beyond mine, and I'm just curious, kind of how you square some of these uh, some of these ideas that Benjamin has brought up. Well, first of all, Benjamin, I really appreciated how you articulated your feelings about the show. That was very very thoughtful and and very well presented. I think one of the things that's most troubling about fandom today, not in a in not a sense of uh, who is right or who is wrong, who is the predominant force that should be speaking for fandom. I think what the issue is with Picard and going back to something like as strong as the emotional ties are to the next generation, what do fandom, what does fandom, um, what do they expect from yesterday's fans and what do they expect from today's fans? Because talking to people that have seen Picard and don't carry the, the, the history that emotional history from the next generation through those movies into this series, those people love this show because we're at that really interesting tipping point in fandom. And we see this with star Wars pretty much all over the, all over the, uh, the fandom airwaves that you weren't there when it was great, but the people that are growing up with the fandom now think it's great. So where do we go from there? Does it make them wrong? Does it make us wrong or right? That's why I focus a lot of my opinions on how it looks from a production standpoint, because I want something that looks fresh. I want Star Trek to look that it belongs in this future, in that future. But I'm not sure if I'm completely on board with how I want to, uh, I guess, give my final analysis on Picard yet, because um, there's a certain cynic in me that knows that CBS is going to create a, um, you know, a continuation and I don't know how many different series they're going to make, you know, with season two, season three, season four, season five. I don't know how long this is going to last this particular story, this particular character. So I, I, guess I think that's I, something that's something though, Norman, that I, I think does frustrate me and probably frustrates a lot of fans with modern day Star Trek is that if you ask me, Hey, what is a great episode of TOS or a great episode of next gen? or a great episode of DS9, I can go say, oh, yeah, boom, here, watch this one. Watch Who Warns for Adonais. Watch uh, uh, The Drumhead, or watch uh, Duet, or whatever. And, and I could pick something and talk about why that has meaning to me, why I think that has social or political relevance. 
um, or I could talk about the performance or whatever. Uh, there, there's something, and it's not just Star Trek, but there's something about serialized TV the way it's done now that frustrates me to think, well, okay, now I have to wait till the end of the season. But even when I've gotten to the end of the season, I actually have to wait until the end of the entire series to be able to parse the story that is that is being told. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, in season one of Picard, I think they did lay the groundwork and they did explore some very interesting ideas. But I think to Benjamin's point, you explore those ideas up to a, a place and then it's like, well, come back a year from now <laughs> or a year and a half from now and there will be a little bit more. Yeah, it felt like they sprinkled the the promise of an idea over mm-hmm. the stories. And then I I think this was a, a subject we got into a tiny bit last week and my connection was bad, but was, was that I wonder if Star Trek shouldn't be the place where we try a return to episodic television rather than serialized. Because in Next Gen, they might have dropped the idea of, you know, interesting ideas about Romulan culture. They didn't, but it's the kind of thing they might have done where something is introduced and then we come back to it many weeks later or next season and then go for a deeper dive into that because the plotting is not what's driving the show. And when you only have Mm -hmm. 10 episodes and you're supposed to tell an arc of a story over 10 episodes, the plot has to keep pushing that whole thing forward. And we don't get a chance to take the little side roads and diversions to explore deeper ideas that might inform future stories. Uh, so I, I wonder if maybe it's time that we like break from like the Sopranos and Six Feet Under and The Wire. They kind of broke the mold on television and everybody's like, yeah. that's how TV's done now. But it's not, you know, we don't have to do it in like the TOS style where we heard about this once and we'll never hear about it again. <laughs> right. You know, you can do sort of the next gen style 2.0 and allow yourself to take interesting detours and, and build the world without it having to be like, yeah, but what's this doing for the overall story? We can, we can do both. And, uh, you know, it really mm-hmm. bothered me that they, that they changed the universe of star, of star Trek so much in this show where the galaxy is a much darker place, or at least the Federation's portion of the galaxy is a much darker place. And I didn't call into this show because I wasn't sure where they were going. I wanted to see what they were doing with that. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, it made me uncomfortable because this is not the trick that I know, but I, I wasn't averse to it. I was like, well, if they're doing it for some reason, then good for them for being bold. But I felt like they didn't end up doing it for a reason. Hmm. Oh, wait, did we lose? Oh, we might have had the feed interrupted there a little bit. Uh-oh. They just sort of did it. There we go. And I was like, what? Am I still with you? Yeah, yeah. That's a huge thing to do. Yeah. So it's, just, it's a very huge thing to do to Star Trek to make it a dark vision. And if you're going to do that, okay, but there better be a very good reason for doing that, it seems to me. So... I'm, I've exhausted my notes and I'm sure I've exhausted the patience of other people who are waiting to talk to you guys. Um, but I really welcome the opportunity and it, it feels great to talk to people in real time rather than just in comment sections on online because you don't get to have this sort of real time give and take and to hear the tone in the voice. Like, yeah. I don't hate Picard. I don't hate New Trek and people are real quick to go there. But it worries me that, uh, you know, these the profounder aspects of Star Trek seem to be kind of being pushed aside in favor of 
an exciting 10 episode story. I don't disagree with you. Uh, so thank you very, very much for that. Um, that I, I, again, I think that's so well said. It's so important. There are people in the chat who agree with you. There are people in the chat who disagree with you. Um, I hope that all of this is taken in the spirit of what we try to do on Mission Log, which is to express these ideas. Again, this is not this is not the comment section on YouTube. <laughs> this is not <laughs> where, where people are throwing bombs at each other. Uh, I, I think you have laid out uh, really some of the best uh, critique of Picard that I've heard so far. Um, I'm really and, grateful for the opportunity to to talk to you guys about it, and I really appreciate the gracious tone that you bring to all these discussions. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. Yeah, Benjamin, it's been a pleasure, and uh, we're going to get to some more callers here. All you right, find us. So drop in again, okay? Take Thanks, care, Benjamin. Guys. All right. Okay, take care. <laughs> See you longer, prosper, man. Well, hey, uh, Norman, we got a couple of people waiting. Uh, any of your other notes you want to hit or, or any other uh, ideas you want to hit before we move on? I kind of did a little uh, uh, this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, normally we've had the lightning round and uh, where, where we just throw out something to our guests. I, I did a little this or that about Picard, which I might throw at some of our uh, upcoming callers. It could be fun. Um, but a- a- anything else here that you want to dive into real quick before we, uh, we take a call? Well, I think one of the biggest, uh, you know, discussion points that I've seen from this uh, series so far has been the, uh, the use of, of money in, oh, yeah. in, in this era of Star Trek. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this before on, on Mission Log, especially when we were talking about uh, Homefront and Paradise Lost with Cisco's restaurant and how do people pay for things and, how do people buy things and what's the currency is supposed to be, we're supposed to be in this post scarcity, you know, yeah. uh, future. And, and so we get to see the have and have nots and especially with the uh, extremes of Chateau Picard. And then what happened to Rafi after she was uh, let go from Starfleet because of, of, of certain factors. Uh, so what does that mean? Like, you know, what is, what does that actually mean? And then she has to hire out Rios. Oh, obviously if you're going to hire out Rios, you got to hire them with something. Right. Right. You hire them out with cigars and booze. And that's another thing, you know, um, the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, use of, yeah. the use of vices that we rarely ever get to see in Star Trek. I, I think it makes characters a little bit more real. But these are things that I know that don't really kind of push the plot line forward, but they do raise a lot of questions about certain elements in Star Trek that we've never really been comfortable seeing before at this type of saturation within their characters. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're painting details about this future that we all as the audience have to buy into to say, oh, okay, this is what Star Trek is. This is the playing field that we all agree to before we now accept the realities of that world. We accept the story that we're being told. It's funny because whenever we bring up the, the question of money, um, and it's not just money, but other aspects of Star Trek, whenever we bring something up and say, hmm, this seems a little off this seems like they're not exactly following what they had set up before. Inevitably, we will get a very long email from somebody saying, oh, no, no, here's how it works. And then there's like 10 pages of this dissertation on economics of the future or transporters or you name it, or, you know, uh, ablative plating on a ship. And just somebody has sat down to figure it all out. And then my eyes roll into the back of my head because I'm like, wait, wait, this is not even what the story was about. I don't know. I, I can't follow this anymore. Um, 
But no, what, what you bring up, though, is something that concerned us, I think, right from the start, uh, which is it, it's not specifically about how do people make a transaction or do certain things have more value than another, but this distinction between Picard's life versus Rafi's life raises all these other questions about A, how they got there, and B, what is the support structure under them in this very idealized future world that allows that to happen. You know, uh, if we assume that we solve certain problems like poverty and we, we've wiped out many diseases and we don't have uh, wars over the same things that we have now amongst each other on earth, then what happens when you have somebody like Rafi who for whatever reason has a substance abuse problem and ends up in a place that uh, apparently is rife with other problems. Either she can barely afford it, or she can barely afford the help that she needs, or she has turned that down. I, there, there are all these questions about how a person ends up there that have less to do with just, again, doing a dissertation about the value of money in the future. Um, and we've not seen that in Star Trek before. We really haven't. So that's, um, yeah, that, that was an odd thing for Picard to do. And I think also, John, uh, before we jump into uh, our next caller, mm -hmm. uh, Karen, who's waiting for us, one of the things I want to uh, throw out to the audience, when, when we got to see uh, Rafi's plight uh, at the, after you know, uh, so many years, 15 years after she was let go from Starfleet, I think one of the things that was really bugging me about what happened to her, what happened to Elnor, is that Picard really kind of left a trail of broken promises behind him. And that's not something that I believed was in his character. I said this to you before. Yeah. I think I texted yeah. you that message. So yeah. I don't want to talk about this now because I want to get to more of our, our callers, but that's just something that I think I would like the listeners to, to chime in on and see what they think about that. Yeah, um, I, uh, that is a good point. We can kind of shelve that for a moment, but uh, it, it was something that was very core to the story here of where Picard has come from, where he's landed, and where he's going then after. Seems like a guy with a heart, seems like a guy who cares about his crew, cares about the people around him, and yet he walked away from everything, and, and it was, well, I guess we'd call it sheer effing hubris, as somebody else may have in the show. But yes, Let's go to Karen. Let's see what Karen has to add to the conversation tonight. Hello. Welcome back to Mission Log Live. Hello. How are Hi, you? Karen. Good, thank you. I, uh, well, I had an idea coming into this, but as your discussion went on, I, I did want to mention a couple of things about the tone of the show. I always want to point out most of this does not take place within Federation space. That's different. Um, that is also part of why the tone is darker. When we're on Earth, it's lovely. The museum is lovely. The archive is lovely. You know, it, it's not like there's some doom hanging over Federation space. But what we've done here is gone outside of it for the most part. Um, and I think that's where some of that dichotomy comes into play there. 
Hmm. Is we just can't assume that, you know, because we're not on a starship. Everybody, or not everybody, but I heard a lot of, are we going to see Starfleet this week? I mean, this wasn't a show about Starfleet. This was a show about Picard. And, you know, that kind of comes to the whole post-scarcity thing. I think Rafi chose her existence. Picard chose his existence. They all self-isolated in a way that reflected their state of mind. It doesn't mean that Rafi couldn't have had more or couldn't have done something else. She certainly could have worked for something, someplace other than Starfleet, I am certain. So that kind of comes back to the broken promises and that you don't connect that with Picard. And it comes into how I viewed this. I kind of come from the other page. I came away after the finale going, this was beautiful. This was a beautiful, it has its flaws. I'm not going to say it's perfect. Yes, certain things could have been developed. But to me, this was like an odyssey. This was Picard's odyssey. And he wasn't the Picard that we knew in some ways. Other ways, as I watch TNG, he is very much everybody who attacked him. Yeah, he was like that a lot throughout the next generation. But here's where we pick up. When you go back, clear back to, say, family, and Robert talking about him as a child and how, you know, basic jealousy of him because he was so focused. He, was, he set the bar so high for himself, and he achieved all of his things to the detriment of his family, his, you know, probably colleagues. We see a, even a little bit of that with the what if story in tapestry, um, you know, he made choices there and he was this very focused, high achieving person, very high standards, very high morals to the point of supporting Starfleet, no matter what, even when he knew they weren't quite right. Like for instance, in uh, oh, what's the Phoenix episode with the rogue captain and the Cardassians Oh, oh, uh, uh, oh! I, I was just looking at the breakdown for that. Ah, right, somebody in the Anyhow, chat is going to type it in and I'll yell that, at you. That, <laughs> at the end of that, he knows that Maxwell is right. Mm-hmm. And he gives a little warning to the Cardassians, but he's, he does what is right for the Federation and the treaty and keeping everything status quo. He does it again in Journey's End. You know, you really know that he knows this is not fair to these people, but he keeps the law. And his whole career, he's done this, and he comes to a screeching halt when he believes that he can just walk in and lay this ultimatum down on the table and Starfleet doesn't pick it up. And it is like a blinding event in his life that kind of crushes him. And he kind of stays in that place for whatever reason. Some of this is about, I would say, a large amount of this series, this season, was about grief. Grief for losing what you thought you were, what you thought you could do. Grief over losing data and probably other people. You know, once a crushing event happens like that, all your other events that you were able to 
to stronghold past creep up on you. And that's what leads to this. He is basically in a depression when we, when we meet him at the beginning of the series. Well, see, that, that raises a question for me, though. And, and by the way, everybody is saying the wounded, and everybody is right. The wounded, yes. Thank <laughs> so, you. yes, thank, thank you, you, everybody. Everybody. <laughs> um, see, this raises a really interesting question for me because all of those things that lead up to the Picard that we have now, the, this Picard who sort of realizes the, the, the realities that have brought him to this place. That means, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, that the Picard who 30 years before was talking about human and Federation and Starfleet principles and how they've solved all these problems and this is what they do, he was either very much mistaken or... um, or he had been lied to, <laughs> you know? I would not rule out some of that, at least, because we've seen that throughout. But that's how we get our bad morals. Um, if I may jump know. in here, if I'm sorry, Please. Karen. To, sure, to no, no, you, no, but, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, I, I always think about the bad morals, and I think about of kind of like the Starfleet or, or, or Federation's kind of their... They're, they're guiding leaders. You know, they're, we always see like one or two, maybe just like one bad admiral. Obviously, it doesn't spoil the bunch if admirals were apples, right? <laughs> but I have to believe that seeing Picard evolve the 30 years that we've seen him and where he has come to, he is one human being of which Starfleet and the Federation are made up of many. And if he evolved in this way and took a turn for, uh, in his character that, that wasn't uh, savory to us, I have to believe that every single other person in Starfleet has to go through the same thing. After all, they're only human, possibly Vulcan or possibly Vulcan Romulans who are in hiding. So, you know, it's, um, I think we, we put Starfleet up on, or the United Federation of Planets. I think we put, as fans put them, too high up on a pedestal. And we believe that whatever the Federation says or does has to be the greatest and most noblest of causes. Now, that may have been true in one era of Star Trek, but it wasn't always necessarily true in TOS. We had our issues with Commodores and Ambassadors. And obviously, it wasn't the case with TNG, where we really did start kind of like the, the, the trend of the bad admirals. So are we to believe that we as fans are just trying to fit in this more heroic, more uh, utopian, and more pure version of the Federation that actually exists. And if we do that, then the rest of our opinion on that matter is skewed because it doesn't work that way. But I feel like, too, as fans, we're often so laser-focused on the Federation and our Starfleet characters that we miss the rest of this vast universe, that they're kind of beginning to build outside of that here and maybe not every person a card is singular in a lot of ways in that like i was saying before he held himself he believed in those standards he put starfleet and the federation on a pedestal and was within the organization and just as in life we're so often much more optimistic 
as we are younger and as we get older, we see more of the cracks. And I feel like because he was such a role model that he, you know, that he didn't like to be, but he was such a role model. Those cracks are uglier to him and harder to bear. This was a particular case where, and I haven't read the novel yet. I haven't, I haven't read it yet. So I don't know the full story of, you know, this um, Dunkirk that he was trying to bring to fruition. I mean, and that's another thing. I mean, he was trying to recreate a Dunkirk and come out of mm -hmm. it, you know, so successful. And it all came to a screeching halt that he couldn't surpass. He didn't have a way to surpass that. And he never, I, I have not felt, I've never felt that he completely dealt with all his traumas that we saw, you know, one trip home does not uh, a healing make. And he had other traumas that he faced, the inner light. I mean, that had to have branded him quite, quite badly. Um, it's just that I feel like what they did here for good or ill and for what people think, for me, this began at this place where he is pulled out of this stasis. It was a depression for him. I feel like this, he is depressed. He is waiting to die. He's not actively in that mode, but he feels old and useless and has felt so, so for, you know, quite a long time. And this is, uh, it was really poetic. To me, much of this series was poetic. It just has this kind of grand, poetic, beautiful, gr you know, grief-filled vision of his, of his journey, you know. Um, we just aren't the same as we get older. And then when you have things that really kind of crush you, you just don't get to pick when that's the straw that breaks you. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I guess something about Star Trek, though, I, I don't want Picard's idealism to have been false. Um, but I feel I, like he got it back. I mean, I feel like there was this finding people, finding that spirit in individuals they just weren't in Star yeah, sure but put put me into a robot body and uh i'll regain my idealism uh, pretty well too <laughs> i feel like he i feel like it happened before that I it did don't, it did yeah. i don't feel like that was the you know like there was some promise he didn't ask for it and yeah, some people no. are like well he didn't ask to be taken out and i'm like well would you is that really what <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, of, course. That's, of course that's like don't but, look a gift sent in the mouth um Karen, but I, I do think that's why the broken peace promises happened. You know, I mean, that's his story. He, he retreated and not just him, lots of, you know, Rafi retreated in her own way. And yeah, sure. He should have reached out to her. But again, I don't know if you've ever been in a depression, but man, it is really hard to reach out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely understand that. I, um, I, I still want to see our Star Trek future have the people in place to deal with that better than we do now. Like it, it's to me, um, I, I'm of two minds. I want my Star Trek to be relatable 
and realistic where it can be. I also want it to be aspirational and say that here are the ways that we can be better. Here are the things that we have corrected that we're getting wrong today. And here's the, the guidepost to get to that. You know, and, and I, I don't think that Picard was completely bereft of that. I think that there was some no. of that in there. Um, but listen, uh, Karen, I, I cannot thank you enough. We've got two more callers standing by sure. here. I really want to get to before the end. Um, come back. You know that you are always welcome here. I love your comments, and uh, we'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks, All right. Karen. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. There we go. That's how we do it. <laughs> Good night. Hey, we have, uh, I believe Dean is next. Dean, who is coming to us from uh, a very cool collection room. Dean, how's it going tonight? Good, man. Yourself? Very good. Very good. You've hey, got, Dean. Uh, action hey, figures, some DVDs, some pretty awesome stuff happening behind you. That's the DC yeah, Animated yeah. Universe what? on top. I love those yeah. figures. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's one of the joys of working at home. It's, it, it's an interesting office now rather than, you know, the boring <laughs> right, right, yeah, like this, like this boring. Somebody get me out of here. Um, what's on your mind tonight, Dean? And thank you for waiting. And uh, yeah, love to hear your thoughts. Um, well, a couple of quick things. Now that Picard's in a robot body, uh, a little bit of a throwback and a shout out to Ken. I think he's going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so. Probably so. Um, on my mind, Norman. Uh, I've actually caught up on your episodes of uh, Just Mission Logan. I think you're doing a cracker job, mate. I, oh, I really thanks. do. I appreciate um, that. So Thank you. Too. Yeah. That's awesome of so, you to say. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I know we're hitting the back end, so uh, I'm going to stick to a couple of cards. Bit hit and miss, as we said. When it was great, it was great. When it was undercooked, it was really undercooked. Um, but, you know, so was the first season of Next Gen, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Captain Riker, what a treat. If, if nothing else, Captain Riker in the chair was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what is really sticking with me is the Song family. Okay. So we've, we've met Noonie and Song. We've met Noonie and Song's predecessor in Enterprise. Now we've Good. met Noonie yeah. and Song's son. And how limited is the gene pool in the Song family? <laughs> like, I haven't seen a gene pool <laughs> that limited in Phil Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, <laughs> not since Hill Valley have I seen a, a gene pool this limited. I tell you. And does any of them want to go into another line of work? Like, surely one of those songs is just like, you know what? I'd rather open up a taco stand. There'll be great tacos, but I'd rather do that. Oh, that's got to be a t shirt. Songs Taco Stand. Yes. Oh, oh right? man, please. But another thing, I'll, I'll raise you on. I'll, yeah. I'll raise you on that. It's like, why aren't there any women or daughters in the Song family? Yes. Right. right. I mean. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. It's just one of those wonderful things. That said, lovely to see Brent, you know, back doing what Brent does. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's sort of the, 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 the real sticking point. Um, and sort of my other thoughts were, I, I think one of my other thoughts, I don't get a chance to, to call in. So long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, oh, thank you. I don't know if you've noticed the accent, Australia. <laughs> um, so just normally I'm at work. I'm bunking off at the moment. Um, yes. The Rikers. That I, I, I have to say probably one of the crowning moments of this series um, is being hammered to death. But I think that first hug with Marina Sirtis where mm. you really feel that 
she's happy to see him and within that one hug she just takes on all of his emotional baggage in that in that one moment and for a series that sort of tells you a lot more than it shows you i thought that was just one beautiful moment in 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 probably the entire season it was probably its big standout moment i think and the thing is that could have been really gimmicky but they did it so well you know it could have mm. been just okay here's will riker Here's Troy. We'll give it a little bit of backstory, but we really want to pull on the nostalgic, emotional, heartstrings of what this is about. But they re- actually, I think they do a really good job at giving Deanna just a little bit more um, agency and gravitas for her character and how she handled Jean-Luc in, this, in that particular episode. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense because, I mean, essentially that was her, like, that was so much of a big part of her life, right? Man, like, handling Jean-Luc. Like, so if anyone, I feel like, the time that she spent on the Enterprise and the time that she spent with Picard in particular, like I think she probably knows him as well as she knows Riker. Like there, there's that real big empathic emotional investment, and I think that they really sort of showed that beautiful professional relationship that it had moved on to being, you know, a friendship that we got to see grow over years. And I think Marina, we you sort of see Marina in Next Gen. It's really nice to see Marina's acting chops having a chance to really flex because you don't really get to see a lot of that in Troy up until now. So I think she grabbed it by the throat and just really run with it. Yes. Yeah. Somebody, I mean, even here at the office, somebody said when that episode aired, like, oh, but did you really need it? And I I said, look, it it wasn't that we needed it necessarily for uh, Riker and Troy, but we needed that on Picard's emotional journey. And it, I, I'm all for taking those moments to just slow down the action and just let the characters be for a moment. And that they achieved that beautifully in there. And it was a turning point for Picard. They got to kind of take away that hubris again, got to see him as a human being again. It, uh, I thought it was played perfectly. Yeah, with the only two people that basically have the ability to call him on it, you know? Will yeah. did it for years on the bridge. Troy did it for years in the ready room. So who, who to, what two better people to check him considering, you know, he doesn't have Robert anymore. So mm-hmm. I thought it was a, yeah. I'm the only other person, the only other person would be Beverly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Although, you know, they've, they've probably got some divorce issues sorting out. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't oh, fully gosh. know what happened in this timeline. <laughs> We're not entirely sure. The, the, the Q version from All Good Things, totally different thing. Yeah. That's true. That's true. But yeah, they've either got some divorce issues, she'll swear at him, or he'll see her and I'll kill her. That's pretty yeah. much how it rolls, right? <laughs> right, right. Hey, uh, Dina, as we wrap it up tonight, we've got go. one more caller to get to. A- any other thoughts uh, uh, before we say goodnight? No, it was good to get a chance to call in and have a chat, guys. So I'll hand it over. All right. Thanks so much, Dean. Take thanks care. Thank you. Please thanks. call in again, okay? Will do. All right. And, uh, well, it looks like wrapping up the show tonight, as it happened last week, we got Lou. We got Lou, Canada's Trexpert, joining us. Lou, welcome yeah, back to the show. Trexpert, John. I don't want to start getting quizzed on uh, DS9 or TNG. Or <laughs> classic uh, Trexpert. So you're not one know of... Know your you're, strengths, know your weaknesses. Okay, you are not one of the people who was yelling, the wounded, the wounded, when I Karen and I were having the conversation. I, I okay. knew it as soon as somebody said it, but I couldn't yeah. remember it. Yeah. Um, is this the first time that I've actually seen Norm? It's possible. I, it's only you can answer that. I mean, I have different I uh, emergency I, I holograms. I called in when we didn't have the video, but um, 
uh, and my, my track collection is, is like on the other side of the room. So uh, I, I, I always seem to follow someone better. Remember I told you, stand up and say, never to follow a better comedian. So you guys, I, I, the show should be 55 minutes long. I think people are going to tune out and say, oh, it's just Bill. We got nothing going on. Nothing. Well, good night, everybody. Yeah. Mission Log is produced by <laughs> Um, What's on your mind tonight, Lou? That's funny. Well, I'm thinking that um, uh, I've, ca I've called it enough times to at least uh, consider myself the uh, the crown prince of, of uh, or the clown prince of Mission Law. <laughs> but yes. um, uh, I, I want to be serious for a second. Um, it's nothing serious, but I've gone into isolation on the advice of my doctor. And... Um, I'm just, it's, it, it's, it's just starting to sink in. I know it's not going to be for weeks and weeks, but um, I have to say that Mission Log, uh, uh, you and Ken and Earl and now Norm, um, I, I, I know we haven't spoken that much, but I consider you and the whole, the community to be a kind of extended family. And I think in these difficult times, um, I, I, I feel that we're going to feel a lot less isolated, uh, by joining together in whatever community we can, we can hook up with. I, um, I mean, I know I'm going to call in next week. Maybe things will be perfect by then. I don't know. Um, I, uh, I, I just felt that the one thing that I wanted to, to, to tell you guys, all of you is that you have a special, you hold a special place for me uh, in my heart as a Trek fan, as, as, as part of the community, whether I call in to vent or to tell jokes or to make observations. Um, yeah, this is all a big stall also because I got nothing going on. No, I shouldn't say <laughs> that. I, um, I, wanted to, I wanted to make sure you guys, you guys knew that. Uh, up front, and I wanted to thank you on behalf of, I, I would say, most of your viewers and listeners. So I wanted to to say that. Um, I also we got through um, we got through the Picard series. I I think I told you I enjoyed a lot of it. I enjoyed the concept. I don't know if because uh, I missed the first few minutes. I don't know if somebody's already said this. I felt that it at times it became. I felt too spy versus spy convoluted with so many multiple plots. I'm a simple guy. Um, I operate on two very basic levels, you know, girls, food, television. We, In that we, order? We're not complex. <laughs> we're not, we're not complex. Don't tell them, but we're not. And I, I, I just felt that it was harder to follow, especially since a lot of the plots were, uh, we're, 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 we're given a, a hint or a nugget as to what's going to happen three episodes down the road. I, I loved the TNG tie-ins. Uh, I think we, we discussed uh, Data's death, such as it was last week. Um, but I think that maybe this could have been a mini-series or a, a movie of four or five hours rather than stretch it into ten. And I don't know. I don't know if if you guys know. I have no idea. Is is season two going to be more episodic or more of a 
10, 12 episode plot arc? There, there's really no way to know at this point. You know, they, they made the announcement. I'm sure that there are plot lines that are sort of on a whiteboard somewhere, but it's impossible to know. I, I actually agree with you. You know, there are elements of what we got in season one of Picard that I thought, oh man, that should be its own standalone you know, two hour or four hour miniseries, other ideas that I thought, okay, you could do this in an episode and then just move on, just get away from it. So I, again, I think part of the structure of just assuming, well, we have to get people from episode one to episode 10, we have to create a, a cliffhanger to make people come back the next week. It, it sort of paints the writers into a corner in a way but you also have the freedom to then explore something over time. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Um, Lou, we're, uh, we're at the end of the we're show, and I, know, and I, I apologize, but thank you so much, not only for your insight there, but your very kind words. Uh, yes. that, that really means so much to me, to Norman, to Earl, to Rod, to everybody who brings you this. I uh, can't and, thank and you enough. And I'll, I'll be calling back at 10.55 next week. We'll try to... <laughs> Earl has you time-stamped for that call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thank you very thank much. You. All right, so, thanks, so Lou. Much. Hey, Norman, really quickly before we do the promo and mm -hmm. the, uh, the credits, I just want to give a shout-out here to friend of the show and uh, producer Lisa Hansel. A lot of people know her in our audience. Uh, she is trying to get the word about, out sorry, about a pause for applause, and you can find that on the website URL of the same name, applauseforapplause.com, or the Twitter uh, handle at a pause for, that's the number four, applause. And uh, you can get all the details there, but it's about honoring our healthcare and uh, uh, other essential workers on Thursdays in your uh, time zone at four o'clock. A pause for applause. So you're welcome, Lisa. Get the word out as best we can. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love that we get so many good comments and thoughtful insights into the show. That, that is what brings me back week after week. I can't wait to do this again next week. Norman, if you would, please uh, tell people about the other shows on RPN real quick, and then we'll say goodnight. If you could give me one brief moment, because I know we're running over, but I just want to oh, say sure, one yeah. thing. I just want to say one thing, and I wanted to kind of springboard off of what Lou was saying. In yeah. this time, uh, we have the technology. We actually have the technology in to harness social media in the way it's supposed to be used. So I've put this out there on Mission Log on our standard recording, and if anybody, anybody needs to talk Star Trek or whatever, just to have a modicum of sanity in your day, get in touch with me, John. I'm not sure if, if uh, you know, if, if that's a, a, a polish that we can make for admission log, but it's just something that I want to offer our listeners because I know how important it is for people just to be able to reach out. And I saw something mm -hmm. super interesting last night. It was Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood, and they were just playing a live request show on CBS just because they wanted to make sure that people had somewhere to go to and to anchor themselves during the course of however isolated they are. I think that's just so important. I think that everyone should do that for, for the fandom and for the fans that they, and friends that they have met here. So I just want to offer that and uh, to our listeners, because I think that's just really important right now that yeah, we all stay get, connected. Get in touch with us. And uh, I did personally, I did a watch party last night on Facebook. I, I think certainly Mission Log could do one as well. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll look into all kinds of opportunities. You have suggestions and you just want people to talk to, get in touch. 
So we thank you for finding Mission Log Live tonight, and we want to quickly remind you that the Roddenberry Podcast Network has even more shows to interest you. Well, sure, I mean, you already know that Mission Log and Mission Log Live is what we do, but there are many more to get you through the week. We have Priority One Podcast, a magazine-style show featuring all the happenings in the Star Trek multiverse. Join them for their live show Tuesday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We also have Women at Warp, a look at Star Trek through a feminist lens. We have the Trek Files with your host, Dr. Larry Nemechek, your weekly deep dive into the Roddenberry Archive, and we also have daily Star Trek news, just like it sounds, your daily dose of Star Trek, and all the news that fits in about 10 minutes. And finally, a science show that entertains as well as educates called Shabam. Shabam! Give them a listen, and you can subscribe to all of them at podcast.roddenberry.com. Hey, thanks for doing that. And with that said, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rob Roddenberry, technical production on Mission Log Live by the incomparable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe, stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network